Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Postgame Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined by Brian Navarrete. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. And Brian, week five's in the books. Some district games got underway. Uh, some somewhat surprising results. Let's just dive right into it. And I think that you probably had the uh, the funnest, best, and most important game Palo Duro versus Plainview, the District 3-5A opener for both teams. Uh, unfortunately, Plainview comes out on the wrong end of this one, 30-23, uh, to 23, and Palo Duro gets its first win of the season. Yeah, just kind of backtracking to, you know, the week in general. You know, this is when coaches say it counts the most, and it definitely does because, you know, district is going to determine whether or not you make the postseason. You're in the playoffs, and uh, Plainview struggled. They struggled in this game um, quite a bit. Uh it, they they were able to pull ahead of Polidoro. It was just the fact that Polidoro continued to beat at their defense. They kept on beating at it, trying different things, and eventually they found something that was going to work. They found uh, one play that just Plainview could not cover, and that was a pass right over the middle to their outside wide receiver, not the biggest kid in the world. Uh, I believe uh, his last name was Perez. Uh, yes, uh, he's about... 5'9", 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. You, looking at him on the field, you don't expect a player like that to be, you know, <laughs> uh, the presence that you need to well, kind a, of pull ahead. He's it's a spe- small player going into a small hole. Yeah. And uh, they hit him over the top twice for two very decisive touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, before that, it looked like Plainview kind of uh, controlled the momentum, controlled the tempo of the game, which is what they wanted. If you watch the way they played, that's what they wanted to do. They were running the ball. They were eating the clock. When they needed to, they would do a pass. Uh, this is just a team that likes to grind it out. And I think that was in my preview, actually, talking with Coach Fisher out of uh, Palo Duro beforehand. They like to grind it out, and that's exactly what I saw last night, a team trying to grind it out. Unfortunately, it went Palo Duro's way. Um, good for Palo Duro because not only do they get start district with a win, but they get their first win of the season in a very tough district that includes eight different teams. But if you look at um, kind of the first down situation between Palo Duro and Plainview, you could tell that they both kind of grinded this out, 15 to 16. Uh, Palo Duro had 15 first downs, Plainview had 16. And the score, one touchdown's difference. 30 to 23, uh, Plainview falls to Palo Duro. Um, I was kind of impressed with a couple of Polidoro's running backs. Um, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Uh, Tony Green, rather. Tony Green and uh, it may be his brother, but Eugene Green. I'm not sure if it's his brother or not, but uh, between the both of them, they proved really hard to tackle. And then in the rain, Plainview was missing some open field tackles. And, man, it just it boiled down to falling into a rut, kind of into a hole late. And then if you run the offense that Plainview does – if you don't have the time, then it becomes a very hard situation to get out of. At the end, they did. Now, at the end, I will say uh, this just kind of bo- it, it kind of telltells how you know resilient uh, Plainview was the whole game. I would say uh, they're driving it downfield. They're still running the ball, passing it now here and then, and then uh, they try downfield. They get a pass interference call. They're within 15 yards to the touchdown. I mean, they took up almost 45 yards in 
30 seconds. Right. I mean, they, the, I mean the, the, the final touchdown pillow draw, I mean, here's the problem with this game, uh, why it looks so bad for Plainview, is that Plainview was up up until the 5.07 mark when, when Jose Perez tied the game. Uh, what what happened to Plainview to give Palo Duro the ball back for their game win? What ended up being the game-winning drive? Uh, they had to punt it away. It was one of those situations where, of course, uh, maybe I, I believe it was a penalty actually, where you're sitting at maybe uh, three and five or four and five, fourth and fifth, and of course you're going to try to go for that. A penalty brings them back to four and ten. That's just a situation yep. where you got to punt it, and there was still plenty of time on the board to where you, I think it's. Uh, it's possible to, you know, get them to do a four or three and out as well. So it was just a tough break for Plainview all the way across. And uh, obviously they, they got to the 35-yard line and then Carson Hawk uh, threw the ball a Hail Mary. Unfortunately, it sailed under the back of the end zone. And, and that was that. And, uh, I mean, honestly, Brian, like I feel like this is a really bad loss for, for Plainview because we talked about it earlier in the week. There is so much traffic in this district, the top – the Three of the top four teams in the district finished with five and two records, and the one above it was uh, six and one. Um, so you, you have to win these games. And this was a game that Plainview won last year. I mean, is, is this team in trouble? Um, I never like to say any team is in trouble. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to find a way to bounce back from this. Uh, it's going to be rough moving forward. I think that's that, that's how I'll put it. It's going to be rough for Plainview moving forward. Um, this game was really important for them, I think, coming off of a shutout win and uh, just starting district on the right note would have been really big for Plainview. But from here, it's just it's going to be an uphill climb for them. Hopefully the Bulldogs can pull it together, but I know that there's going to have to be a lot of work done to do so. A second district game going on last night was Lovett Christian versus Trinity Christian. This was my game, and, and it was a lot of fun. A 31-17 win for, for Lovett Christian. We talked about a challenger pushing the establishment. Well, the establishment won last night. Lovett Christian, the defending district champion of Taps Division Three, District 1, starts its district run with a 1-0 uh, record. Yeah, uh, this one coming in, I, I believe we uh, kind of went head-to-head on the show we did. about yeah, this Trinity. one. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, I think uh, your gamer really said, I think it really pointed out the best in both teams, that at the end of the day, you know, they, were, they went out there, you know, knocking helmets and competing for a win, but at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're – they're friends. They're sitting there. They're co- they're comrades, and they were able to break bread together. That's what that's what stood out. Uh, the Lubbock Christian does a thing called the fifth quarter, where the players go and they join their student body for about forty five minutes of of prayer and food and congratulatory uh, you know messages from from their classmates. And it's nice. And, and on this occasion, they asked Trinity Christian to stick around and go with them. And and Trinity Christian accepted the invitation and hung out and. You know, I'm sure there were some disappointed players on that team, but it, it just shows that, you know, football is not the end-all, be-all. Um, and, and for those guys, it's it's uh, it's about living a, uh, you know, a, a Christian lifestyle, and and um, that's that's interesting and, and, and something you definitely don't get on the public school side. Uh, but Lubbock Christian was sure to let me know that just because Trinity Christian is getting good and it's going to be a good football series in years going forward. It's not going to be some kind of violent rivalry that you see at other schools. Which is kind of refreshing when you think about it. A friendly rivalry. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very foreign almost, isn't it? Yeah, especially in Texas high school football ranks. But, no, uh, 
I, I thought this was still a good game for Trinity to kind of experience. Like we said, Lubbock Christian is returning district champions. This could set them up for, you know, something special towards the end, put them in place, put them in a good place if they're able to make the playoffs, you know. Yeah, and, and the game itself, I think, really came down to a couple of things. And, and number one was the weather. I don't know what, what was going on on Plainview last night, but we got heavy rain in uh, West Lubbock last night. And it, beginning from, like, the final play of the first quarter through halftime, it rained. And Trinity Christian is kind of an aerial team. They like to, they like to live and die on the, on the fade route, really, on offense, it seems, especially in this game. Uh, we're trying to throw the ball. You know, they, they had eight people take the ball. None of them got over 50 yards uh, at halftime, and, and most of them were in kind of the teens or 20s. And that's really where the game got away from them because Lubbock Christian has Hunter Pitanieo, and um, he uh, goes off for 122 yards over 25 carries and, and two touchdowns. Both touchdowns that he had were in the second quarter. So they walk, out of, walk, out of, uh, they walk off the playing field at halftime up 21-3 on those two touchdowns, then an Alex Timmons dive uh, at the very end of the half. Uh, so 21-3, to and then in the second half, they get the ball back, Lovett Christian does, and Alex Timmons takes a 69-yard draw to the house, and now it's 28-3, to and, and that kind of sucked the life out of the place. Wow, Timmons uh, got some legs, I guess. Yeah, he does, <laughs> yeah. It was, like the, it was like the parting of the Red Sea, too. It was a really, really good play fake. Oh, that's great to hear. Um no, uh, Hunter Pintanello, uh, like we had mentioned, I think, last week, he does play both ways for a little bit Christian athlete, just an athlete for him. And I believe he also caught a touchdown pass last night. Uh, no? No, he caught a 33-yard bomb, but not a touchdown pass. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where I was mistaken. But still, I mean, uh, good performance from Hunter Pintanello. And uh, from Lubbock Christian, you know, and good for – I mean, I, th- I still think Trinity played a really good game at the end of the day. I think so, too. I mean, these are both playoff teams from last year in the district. I think they're both going to be fine going forward. Um, but based on Trinity Christian's improvement, you can make an argument that they're number two or number three in this district. Munster Sacred Heart has a really good uh, reputation in this league. But – Trinity Christian's made some strides, so that'll be an interesting game coming down the pipe. Now, both these teams are going on. They're going to be playing within 15 miles of each other, 300 miles away. Both both squads have district opponents in Fort Worth, and they're going to visit them respectively next week. Now, this game I was keeping track of on Twitter while I was covering mine because I was shocked that Clovis, New Mexico, hopped up on uh, Lubbock Cooper like it did 21-7 to at one time. Well, guess what? Cooper comes back for a 35-28 double overtime win in this one. What a crazy result. Uh, You know, I asked Don yesterday, and hopefully he doesn't come out uh, seeking me for kind of putting him on the spot right now, but he's the only guy who picked Clovis over Cooper. And I said, why? And he said, well, they had the better resume, and I guess I missed something. (laughs) That's, That's all I could think. Well, what did I miss? Because I thought Cooper was the better team coming in. But Clovis came out really firing on him able to put up 21 points to seven but cooper's been in this situation god if they haven't dealt with some adversity in the in games past i mean they keep getting into these situations where you know it's kind of a, a wake-up call where they have to get back into the game and they're like oh man we you know just get out there and win the game but they always do they always do at the end of the day like well, they have all of their games have been one possession decisions, except for the friendship game, I believe. And and this is a four and one team now. And you know, talking to Carlos on on the uh, on the Facebook live show last night, 
you know, when when I look at District 4-5A, which is what Cooper's about to hop into, you've got two to three teams that look really similar. And these were the playoff teams aside from Cooper last year. You got Coronado and Monterey, who have very similar offenses. And then I think that Evelyn Cooper, who who also leans on his passing more, more so than his defense. And then you've got Cooper, who looks like it's a very balanced offense and uh, perhaps owns the best defense of the group. And, you know, that, that's, it's, it's always good to be different when you're in a district, right? Definitely. Um, one of the things that stands out to me is Coronado has a really good defense. Uh, when these two teams meet, oh, man, I imagine that game just being that much more special to see because you have two defenses that have kept their teams in the game and have really uh, shown up when they're needed to be. And then you have the added plus of maybe Cooper's bringing in an offense that's a little bit more experienced at that point in the season versus, you know, a Coronado offense that could explode at any moment. That game, to me, is going to be very uh, exciting to watch, I think. And also in this Cooper-Clovis game, looks like Cooper settled on its quarterback. Brendan Mel played the whole game, and his final touchdown pass that ultimately won the game because they went first in double overtime and had to force a turnover on downs to actually end the game. But his touchdown that ultimately held up as the game winner was to the quarterback he had been competing with, Cole Carter. So uh, nice little bit of, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if the right word is irony. But uh, that's, it, it's a nice touch. Cole Carter found a home, and, and it looks like Mel found his home, and that's where they'll be for the next two years. Yeah, well, we already knew Cole Carter could play a receiver. You know, coming into it, I think Cat uh, Winkle had mentioned, you know, if Cole Carter's not the quarterback, then he's starting a wide receiver. He's an athlete. And uh, he actually hooked up with Brendan Mel for two touchdowns last night, those two. So um, I don't know if they were competing for that spot or more so that's just the way they were operating the offense, but they definitely – uh, I think found a very capable tandem, maybe. Uh, one, two, you know, uh, you have Zy Keith Campbell, maybe throw Cole Carter in there, and now you have uh, two threats out there that Brendan Mill can kind of air it out to, and I think that's a good thing moving forward for him, um, if, if that continues. I mean, it could change next week. Maybe this was by decision. <laughs> but, man, overtime win, what can we say about Cooper? This just... This team just doesn't it's, give it's up. It's so Cooper, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be the new see the new new the new phrase every time they turn out one of these results. Like that's so Cooper. <laughs> that, is, that is so Cooper. Uh, now here's another one where we're gonna go over the the final game and then we'll run over some scores after that. But it's but it's Estacado, which played its fifth consecutive 5A opponent last night, got its fourth consecutive win, uh, beat San Angelo Lakeview 84 to nothing. And and not only that, I mean this is a team that has beat its past two opponents, Lubbock High and Lakeview, by a combined score of 134-0. And if you go back a week further to its Dumas game, it's beaten its past three opponents 165-10. to I mean, this team is uh, shooting lights out offensively right now, and, and obviously defensively too with, with back-to-back shutouts and uh, 10 points over three games. Yeah, some big numbers from uh, the Matadors. That was a big result last night. Uh, I think what we kind of predicted at the beginning of the season, which is a very athletic team that is kind of working together and being able to do things right on the field is finally coming to fruition. You know, uh, they're using their athletes to the best of their their capability. And, uh, wow, that, that was a big win last night. Not in terms of, uh, you know, records or anything like that, but putting up 80 points, uh, that's – 
That's that's huge. I think maybe it gives them a lot of confidence offensively. And then shutting them out defensively, same thing, a lot of confidence. Uh, it was a big win. It was a big win. I'm not sure. Uh, I need to look at the stat book to see uh, who kind of stood out for me, I believe, uh, between their two backs still again. Uh, almost evenly distributed, and Bo Sims had himself a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, six passing touchdowns in this one on 13 of 25 passing for 207 yards. I mean, in, in no picks, and um, I believe Dobbins went for 184 yards on 13 carries, and then Kamadrick Williams hit 100 yards on 13 carries too. So, I mean, it was a really well-rounded performance, and uh, those guys were out of there by about halftime. Yeah, and what a good result on the road too. Now they proved that they can kind of uh, – travel the distance and still churn out a good game offensively and defensively so that was one of my biggest uh, takeaways coming into the game is how how would they travel yeah how- we we, uh, we sent uh avalanche journal extraordinaire brad tollefson down with the team he got to ride on the bus for the upcoming um edition of the process which you can see on lonestarvarsity.com probably just a few uh, inches away from where you clicked on this podcast and uh, that'll that'll be out tuesday and, and the the theme of this week was just West Texas travel because it's pretty insane. And um, it looks like West Dakota had a good plan. You know, like they got on the bus, they stopped at a rest area, they moved around, they got back on the bus, they got to the stadium. But maintaining that energy, because you're always excited when you get on the bus to go to a game, but to maintain that energy level for three hours when there's not a whole lot to do and the bus is, you know, quite honestly uncomfortable, it's really impressive that they came out and took care of business like they did and had that game locked up probably you know, midway through the second quarter. Yeah, um, I, I think it's going to it's gonna do good things for them mentally uh, to know that they can go out there and uh, maybe some of the kids are pretty excited to put up numbers like that. And like I said, I think confidence and the fact that they can travel are the biggest takeaways from that game. Uh, we're getting pretty close to districts, so we'll see how they kind of uh, – how well they are prepared for whenever that kind of comes. And then finally, just kind of wanted to go over some scores. Anything stand out to you? I'm looking at post. They got a 39-6 to win over Slayton last night, and, and Slayton's a team that, that has turned a corner. Um, now, unfortunately for post, I, this could be pretty big. We're going to have to learn more about this over the upcoming week. But uh, star running back and linebacker Mike Ferguson injured in that game early. Oh, uh, yeah, I actually hadn't read that yet, but that, that's kind of a big loss for them. He was, uh, of course, no team is one person, but that is a big loss, especially in the 2A level. You always want, you know, your top athletes 100%, but maybe it was precautionary. You know, maybe uh, something just kind of tweaked the wrong way, and maybe they held him out for the rest of the game. Hopefully so. I mean, he's a great player. I think he's one of the area's most valuable players um, on, on any level, uh, let alone the 2A level. I mean, him and Bryson Daly and – and um, Jet Whitfield from New Deal, those are probably my top three athletes from, from the area in two ways. So that'd be a major blow if, if it's long. So um, hopefully, hopefully it's not, and uh, Mike is definitely in our thoughts. Now, just a couple of games. Uh, we'll just, uh, I'll just run them over and stop me if anything stands out to you. All Saints Episcopal 48, Kingdom Prep 0. That one, yeah, uh, good for All Saints. First-year program. I was talking with their athletic director, uh, Coach Brashear, before you know they even got their first win and he was saying it's tough it's tough whenever you're a first year program but he believed in the kids and their ability to go out and play and man he put his beliefs in the right 
area because they I believe that's two wins on the season now. Yeah, now they're two and three. So for a first-year program, that's not bad. Two teams from your old neck of the woods, Seminole 30, Monahan's 13. Now, Seminole, uh, this was a game that uh, I expected this game to be really good. And I imagine if you were in attendance of this game, it was a good game. But Seminole last year, they proved that whenever kind of pushed, they can push back. And I think that's one of the qualities that they continue to kind of bring to the field each week. I think in the first week, there was a little bit to kind of work out. But now I think Seminole is kind of at the level that we expected them to be at, you know, at the beginning of the season. And uh, they got a big win against Monahans. Uh, a lot of people might look at this and just be like, well, Sweetwater's the, the number one dogs in that area. But Monahans is still a really good team. Monahans, Sweetwater, and Seminole, all three of them in the mix, I think, for, you know, kind of coming out of that one ahead. But it's a big win. It's yeah. a big win for Seminole. That's going to be a fun district race. Uh, Motley County 62, Chillicothe 0, New Deal 38, Tulia 0, Meadow 72, Sands 28, Ropes 34, Ira 18, Anton 58, Southland 12, Muleshoe, I, I, this one, Muleshoe 33, Idaloo 3. Uh, just uh, opening thoughts because Muleshoe got on the win column and beat a respected Idaloo program and uh, had some productive players in this game. Yeah, good good win for Muleshoe. Um Idaloo struggling a little bit right now. Um, like we said, maybe they're going to turn it around in district. But uh, I think this was a big win for Mioshu, and I think it's a tough loss for Idaloo. I, I agree completely. I, th- I think that um, I think that Idaloo and, and Friendship are kind of in the same boat right now where it's, it's just not working for whatever reason. Um, and it's district time now, so they got to get it figured out or else they're going to be on the couch, you know, in a month's time. And uh, even at the beginning of the year and kind of coming into the weeks, you know, I, I've continued to say, you know, I have faith in Idaloo and their program when it comes to district time that they're going to make the playoffs. And I still do. It's just uh, these results are kind of alarming in a way. But I don't think Idaloo in any way is swayed in uh, what they're going to do and what they're able to do. And I believe that they believe that they're going to make the playoffs. And I think that's enough for right now. Just a couple more scores, Crosby 10, 46, Meyer 13, Sundown 42, Tohoka 14, and then finally, Abernathy 28, Memphis 20. Good game out there. Yeah, Memphis is a good team. Last year, I wouldn't say it was an upset, but Abernathy got the best of Memphis last year, and then uh, not to pat myself on the back, but I was the only one who had Abernathy over Memphis last year. And that was the turning point. It really was. was. It really was. That was the turning point. Since then, after that game, they were just – Phenomenal. They were able to come out and do some big things, and now I, I like the fact that they were tested. You know, if you look at some of the previous scores, it kind of seemed like Abernathy was just kind of getting away with, you know, putting up some points and uh, kind of winning them handily. But now they're tested before de- district even starts because having it come down to a one-point decision is something that they may have to, like, grind out against, let's say, New Deal or Hale Center. And now they've had it, they've experienced it, they know what to do. And I'm a big fan of that, you know, kind of learning your lessons early so that they pay off come district time. But when it comes down to it, you know, Cole Carlisle, a name that we knew coming in alongside Bryson Daly, he's really making his own sort of name for himself. And he's he's been doing some big things for him. And uh, I think that team is just 
ready for district to start. When I look at these results and everything, I'm just like, uh, I want class 2-2-A to start already. It seems like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that district's probably going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of followership. I mean, if, if, you, if you're just an unattached fan right now, uh, you know, it's, it's small ball, but it's awesome ball. I mean, each one of these teams has a superstar. There are four unbeaten teams heading into district play. It's, it's going to be so much fun in, in 2-2-A Division One. Small ball is some of my favorite ball. Absolutely. Iron Man ball. I mean, people play both ways, and, you know, it's, it's not like bigger school where you can be great at one position. you got to be great at a position, and you got to be pretty good at another one. Kind of like It's almost like baseball in a way. You know, like you, you have to, you have, you've got to be a multi-tool player to, to have fine success. And, it, it, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun in that district. Definitely. And, like I said, small ball I love. I love to see uh, – hits at the at the 2A level just kind of seem a little bit more uh, uh I would say uh open field it's more out of necessity cuz you're like I got to get this tackle because you know on these drives in 2A at the 2A level anyways you're not breaking the play every single play you're grinding it out as we've been saying throughout the podcast just grinding it out and it's always fun to watch I think it's always fun to, not to take anything away from the higher classifications at all because they play some next level uh, football when it comes down to it sometimes. But no, good result out of Abernathy. Um, I think they're going to be a good team moving forward. I'm excited to see how they follow up last year's performance. And district play is getting closer for those guys as it is for, for everyone. That's week five, everyone. So approaching the midway point of the regular season, I guess that would come technically Wednesday, but uh, the midway point of the season, I, I would say, would be Friday. Uh, we'll be back uh, this upcoming Wednesday with the regular Week 6 Lone Star Varsity podcast. We really appreciate you guys stopping by to spend some time with us on your weekend. Uh, once again, this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media.